Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Sparty gets beat down and then does a beat down. Next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Yes, Clark. Brady gets terrific. Throws it and in. Touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler at the five. Seven, 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schimbecker. And here's your first play. Pressure coming, sack. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team. And when we play as a team and the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Go Blue, I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. And we've got to have some people come correct, both in our audience and in society, about what transpired at Michigan Stadium on Saturday night. But I'll get to that here in just a moment. This episode brought to you each and every week by our good friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easy way to play daily fantasy. Just pick a few players and an over-under on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry, just you versus the projected numbers. And they've got tons of stats to choose from. For example, here are my picks this week when it comes to Michigan football. Now, I went 2-0 last week. So I'm I'm back above the Mendoza line. So maybe I want to follow instead of fade, but we'll see. I've actually got Michigan prize picks this week. I'm going with J.J. McCarthy over 205.5 passing yards and Blake Corum 
under 130 yards rushing. Remember last year, Michigan barely rushed for over 100 yards against Rutgers as a team. Greg Schiano, who's a great defensive mind, came right in and just ganged up on Michigan and said, we dare you to beat us throwing the football, and the Wolverines couldn't do it. Well, this year I think they can. Uh, and so I expect Schiano to use the exact same game plan. It nearly got them a huge upset at the big house a year ago. And in fact, I'm hoping they do this because I think the only way our coaches are going to get our passing game, some in-game reps before we go to Columbus is if they have to. <laughs> right? If you just let our coaches just sit there and run the ball down your throat with a Heisman Trophy uh, candidate tailback, they're going to do it. And so I'm kind of hoping that this is actually how the game goes because I think we need the passing reps, particularly in the red zone. I think Greg Schiano gives them to us. So I'm going Blake Corm under a buck. 30, just under, but under, and J.J. McCarthy over 205.5 yards passing this week for my prize picks best bets. And again, prize picks allows mixed sports entries. It's an award-winning, easy-to-use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. It's the best legal way to play player props in states like California, Florida, Texas, and, of course, Michigan. Download the app today, and when you do, set up your account. Use the promo code MICHIGAN, and you'll get an instant deposit match of up to 100 bucks. That's right. Download the PrizePix app today on the App Store or Google Play, and when you sign up, use the promo code MICHIGAN for an instant deposit match of up to 100 bucks from our friends over at prize picks and now back to what we teased at the top of the show let's start quickly with the game except for some red zone woes this was a dominant performance by the michigan wolverines the third quarter where i believe michigan outgained michigan state something like 153 to minus one That's the most dominant quarter Michigan has played against Michigan State probably since the Bobby Williams game 20 years ago. And the Wolverines scored six points. Because of those red zone woes, we've got to fix those. We had this exact same problem a year ago. Thank goodness we've got Jake Money kicking all those field goals for us. But I much prefer 54-yard field goals to 34-yard field goals. How about you? All right. But overall, except for one drive where Michigan State got away with some hero ball and a lot of jump ball receptions, the rest of the game, nothing was happening for Michigan State at all. To my surprise, they actually didn't load the box. Uh, They played a lot of too high safety in this game. That actually really surprised me. That tells me Michigan State wasn't really trying to win. Uh, They were really trying to keep the score down, uh, trying to keep it manageable, hoping to lose maybe, you know, 28 to 14 as opposed to 38 to 7, uh, making Michigan drive the length of the field, which Michigan's content to do. You know, Jim Harbaugh, he still, you know, coaches like time of possession is a big time stat. So he's totally fine occupying the football if you let him do it. And Michigan State set back with two safeties deep and and allowed Michigan to do that. Michigan's longest two runs were 17 and 20 yards. So props to you you didn't give up the big plays that Penn State did but you just bled out slower on national TV prime time for everybody to see so Michigan State I don't think they were even trying to win at halftime Mel Tucker uh, talked about they can't cover our receivers I think in the second half their receivers had a total of two catches in in the entire half so I mean this was really just the game we expected it to be and if a couple of those field goals those five by Jake Moody particularly those four red zone field goals if they had been converted into touchdowns 
touchdowns. Now you're looking at what a, a, a 34, 38 to seven, uh, or 37 to seven kind of a game, which would have been more in line, you know, a 30 point kind of blowout with what we saw on the stat sheet. So Michigan gets Paul Bunyan back. Jim Harbaugh finally gets off the schneid against Mel Tucker, wins a rivalry game. That's Michigan's first stated public goal of the season. The Wolverines said before the season kicked off, they had four goals this year, beat Michigan State, beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten, win the national championship. So first box there is checked against Sparty. And now let's face it, the next three weeks here are to prepare for the game at the end of the year, and it's looking increasingly likely that's going to be a couple of undefeated teams meeting in Columbus, just like we saw in 2006. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that. What we really need to talk about now, though, is what happened after the game. Saturday night was the 600th game played at Michigan Stadium. 95 years that single tunnel has stood. And never. Ever has there been anything at all like what transpired after this game? There has been a lot of smack talk, a lot of rivalries, a lot of disappointment, a lot of heartache, a lot of hatred in that tunnel. But never before have we seen this level of behavior assault, actual crimes taking place in the tunnel, using your weapon as what could potentially be lethal force, even if you don't necessarily intend that. Dragging players. Look at Michigan State's director of football operations. They're running away. That's the guy who talked really tough uh, or you know, before the game as they were coming out of the tunnel telling the cameras, get the bleep out of our way, like he's some kind of badass. Look at him. He's supposed to be the adult in the room. Look at him run away there as opposed to break up that behavior. Just absolutely heinous and despicable all the way around. No place for it whatsoever. No excuse for it. I know some of you want to say, well, why did they come out the tunnel? First of all, it's their damn stadium, dude. It's Michigan Stadium. They can come up their tunnel. But if you must know, the player that you're watching get assaulted there in that clip, Jamon Green, he actually leaves early to get up the tunnel every game. Why? Because his dad's a trucker. And he takes time off he doesn't have on the weekends to drive up on Saturdays to see his sons play. His twin brother, Jermon, also plays on the team. That's why. So you can take that slap ding take. Take that back to Rico and Valenti on uh, 97 None, the ticket. Okay? Uh, He does this every week. But that shouldn't matter. There isn't a point where you're like, hey, really bad to do a eight-mile-like curb stomp that we've never seen after a football game ever in our lives. But, nope, there isn't a but. There isn't a but. I mean, did he, did he show you pictures of slapping your mom around? Did he, did he stop and say, hey, here's the revenge porn of your sister I shared on Pornhub last night? No? Nothing extreme like that? Then there is no but. There's no but. There's no place for that. And then we put a period at the end of the sentence. Not a comma, not an ellipsis, nothing. We just end the sentence right there. There is absolutely no place for it. The Green family has retained noted attorney Tom Mars. You know him. He's the guy that keeps clubbing the NCAA in court. They have retained him for legal action in this case. 
we might be looking at injuries that take maybe Michigan's best cornerback out of the next game. We shall see. Jermon, or Jermon is in uh, concussion protocol right now, according to his father. There's just, there's just no place for this. None. None. There's no excuse for it. None. Four players have been suspended. There are numerous more you can see in these videos. There's one video we can't show you because it would cause this, this uh, episode to be demonetized, because it's pr- pr- proprietary to ESPN, that really shows there was nothing that occurred that predicated any of it. Like nothing. This was just trash behavior. That's all that it was. Completely, maybe show that kind of fight out there on the football field, perhaps. And if you're in our comments section claiming otherwise, you should just know you're terrible. I'll just tell you that right out flat to your face right now. On camera here, you're a terrible person. There is absolutely no justification for that behavior. Then there are some of you in our comments section who say, then what about John Howard? You might recall that last year, if you go back and watch the show, I immediately came on here and said, that cannot happen. I love Juwan. There must be a suspension there. And I even predicted he'd get suspended the rest of the regular season. And he did. I'd have been fine if he was suspended the entire year. This isn't about singular tunnels or anything of that nature. We've had 600 games there. It's, well, Steve, it's the second week in a row this is, they were throwing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at halftime. That's not this. This is criminal behavior. It should be treated as such. And what needs to happen here, and I, I know this is, this is going to be foreign to a lot of you, because you think if people act badly that it's not them but it was something that caused them to act that way. And if we remove that cause, they wouldn't, they wouldn't act that way, as opposed to they're the cause. Not how we roll here. What needs to happen are serious penalties. Serious penalties. An example needs to be set like you're not playing the rest of this season. Maybe never playing again. Like you're kicked out of school. Get out. An example must be set that this will not be tolerated. You punish the hell out of the perpetrators. The only people guilty of this are the people who actually did it. No one else. Punish them. Punish them severely. Anything else sends the wrong message. And will just make Tom Mars probably even more money. Time now for the 10-minute war, a little homage to the 10-year war with our good friend Mark Rogers, fellow broadcaster here on YouTube with a fantastic college football channel of his own, the voice of college football stringers and correspondents covering teams all over the country. And when he's not busy being a rational observer of college football, he's also a bucknut. It is good to have you back on the show, Mark. How you been, brother? Doing well, Steve. Uh, enjoying this college football season and the collision course that we are on. We are on a collision course, and I'm going to get to that in a second. But I, I've, before we get to football, i got to get your take on what happened after the game, Michigan and Michigan State. We just showed some of the video. I just laid some of, uh, some of it out for the audience. That was the 600th game ever played at Michigan Stadium in a single tunnel. Never before did someone wave their helmet as a potential uh, weapon of lethal force. There'd never been an eight-mile-like curb stomp, um, you know, uh, a scene out of, you know, Boys in the Hood or Rednecks Are Us. I mean, there's, that's never happened ever before. And I think that um, strong, 
strong penalties need to come down on all the parties involved so that it will never happen again. Jamon Green, uh, who's the player you see in the ESPN tunnel video coming up the tunnel there. He does that after every game, by the way, uh, because his father's a trucker, has limited time off. He drives up from Texas to see him and his twin brother, who also plays for the team. Uh, and so he does that to get out of the locker room as fast as he can before the rest of the players are in there. So that wasn't some smack talk attempt. Not that that should even matter, but that was one of the things. Well, what are they doing in the tunnel? Well, this is what he does after every game. OK, um, and and so we have seen some suspensions. If you watch the videos, you clearly see uh, Jacoby Winman, who's one of their best players. You see him take his put his helmet back on and then join the melee as if he was going to be in disguise and no one was going to know. OK, I mean, I, I just think this behavior, a, a strong precedent has to be set for this precedent to never happen again. But what is your take? Maybe I'm too close to it. Well, it's hard for me not to see what happened and then related to other incidents that we see in society out on the street where we allow, in this case, 18 to 22-year-olds to go and vandalize and, you know, intimidate retail workers and just go in and act like complete punks. And that was a punk act to the nth degree, just despicable, disgusting in every possible way. And yes, they need to be held accountable to the nth degree. And yes, I believe in forgiveness. I believe in restoration at a certain point. But football, take it away. Take away whatever needs to be done. That restoration, that can be done maybe at another university. That's up to Michigan State to decide in regards to down the road, reinstating them uh, first as students and then as uh, athletes. But yeah, the, the punishment has to be harsh. Uh, you know, these these student athletes come onto campus and they're protected to a certain extent from the real world. But to be in college is to be molded to be a young man and to be a professional. And so part of that is you reap what you sow and you have to pay the consequences for your actions. So they have to be taught that as well during this college experience, because you do not do that to another individual. It's just it's just beyond horrible. And the the response by Mel Tucker just was fell far short in so many instances. I thought he was more apologizing to Michigan State than he was to Michigan. He was apologizing to alumni and students and boosters and fans and the administration. Sure, I get that. Uh, yes, your team embarrassed your school and everyone connected to Michigan State. But let's speak to the victims. There needs to be a, not that this is going to make a wrong right or backtrack and change history, but there needs to be an apology, a personal apology, not a statement. There needs to be a personal apology from the administration, from the, from the athletics director, and especially from Mel Tucker to those two Michigan football players. In all your time following college football, and you're one of the few people whose Rain Man-like recall of this sport and its history rivals my own or maybe even exceeds it. Can you ever recall anything like that? I, I have never seen. I've seen ugly stuff on the field. I've never seen anything like that. But am I? can you recall anything ever like that? I can't. The first thing that comes to mind is that NBA. The malice of the ma palace. Yeah. You know, that involved fans and it was yeah. a completely 
different situation, but I remember working at ESPN that night and everything had to be blown apart in regards to programming to cover that incident. And I, of course, had never seen anything like that. Again, the, those were fans being involved. You know, there was a horrible fight on the field. And again, you, you uh, disclaimed that by saying on the field. And those are all the incidents that I can think of. South Carolina Clemson had a horrendous one during the Luke Holtz era at uh, South Carolina. Wasn't there a bowl one. game with one of Mike Leach's teams, right? That kind of a fight on the, I can't remember yeah. which of the teams Mike Leach was coaching at the time, but I think that, that sounds familiar. Maybe it was even Mississippi state. I don't remember, but it was something like uh, that just a few years ago. Also just a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yes. But, just, but it, I mean, this is, that's again, why this is so unprecedented and an example has to be set here, has to be set. So that it just doesn't become learned behavior and happen again. Let's get to some football. So a few weeks ago, I told you that I was beginning to wonder if, yes, some of last year's offensive approach had to do with some of the limitations of the quarterback, okay? But now they got a five-star back there, and they're kind of running the same offense. It's just he has more ability, so he expands it, you know, organically within the offense, but the scheme itself has not changed at all, all right? And I told you, I was beginning to wonder if this, if Harbaugh, if Jimmy was replaying what he did at Stanford when he was out there against Norm Chow and USC and uh, Chip Kelly and Oregon at their innovative heights, and they all could recruit, um, you know, uh, different and better than you can at a Stanford with some of the restrictions there. And he just decided, you know what, I'm going to, you know, Styles make fights. I'm going to, they zig, I'm going to zag. I'm going to see if I can beat them by forcing them to adjust to the way we play. And it worked fabulously for him. And the more I the more I brought the more I think about this since I brought this up to you, I am more convinced of it. And I'm ex- especially convinced of it after I went and looked up this information. Check this out. All right, per game offensive averages. This is Stanford 2010. Andrew Luck on his way to being the number one pick in the draft. Michigan this year. Look at this, Mark. Look how this is freaking crazy. Stanford 2010, 41 rushing attempts a game. Michigan 22, 43. Stanford 2010, 29 passing attempts a game. Michigan 22, 27. Stanford 2010, completion percentage, 70%. Michigan 72. Stanford 472 yards of offense a game. Michigan 470. Stanford 24 first downs a game. Michigan 25. Stanford basically 40 points per game. Michigan 22, 41. Now, because they were better in the red zone with Andrew Luck, he threw for 32 touchdowns that, that year. I mean, when this is all said and done, J.J. McCarthy might get to half of that. But that can't be a coincidence. That stat profile cannot possibly be a coincidence, Mark. I mean, are you? that is a carbon copy. I think that this is on purpose. What are your thoughts? Well, it's astounding. It's almost as though Jim Harbaugh was sitting there in the fourth quarter of these blowout games saying, hey, we we got to run the ball about three consecutive times because we need to stay with <laughs> yes. these amateurs. Yes, I've no. got a paradigm I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, with uh, fulfill, yes. Yes, that is crazy. That is crazy. I think you hit on something. Uh, I went down the YouTube rabbit hole last night of watching early to mid-1980s Ohio State-Michigan games and just kind of scanning through and mm-hmm. reliving plays and that sort of thing that I didn't intend on doing. There hasn't been a stylistic difference between these two programs until Rich Rod took over, and mm-hmm. that was the obvious uh, mm-hmm. separation stylistically. And then it kind of carried on because modern offensive football changed, and, and Ohio State went more with that. And then you know Harbaugh was hired, and, and so forth and so on. And we've seen the stylistic differences, but 
Yeah, the the Oregon Stanford games were just phenomenal when Jim was there. And you got to think that he lived it. He strategized it. He didn't just live it as a fan. He was the architect of it. I think that has to be the reason why. And he stumbled upon something to say because this this frustration of hitting this Ohio State wall over and over and over, trying to recruit against them. I went to speed and, that, and space well, and all this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do that. He, it has to be that because it it uh, is turning into what we are watching and what we saw 10 years ago with Oregon and Stanford that he was right in the middle of. Now, they have to fix the red. I, I'm I'm totally fine with everything they're doing. I mean, I mean, I'm a fan. I, I I grew up playing the NCAA football video game. Who am I kidding? I'm still playing the NCAA football video game. I'm almost 50. Okay, so I love chucking the ball around. Would I love to see my five-star quarterback out there putting up, you know, uh, close to CJ Stroud numbers? Sure, I would. But I understand that the video games we all grew up playing and still do are not real football. I get that. Okay, and 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 what's funny is I was watching the Mich- the Penn State Ohio State game. And I could see Ryan Day doing the same thing from the other side of the street. I could see Ryan Day, basically, I would contend letting Penn State even take the lead in the game by maintaining a running game, when at no point were they really going to stop those receivers if they truly unleashed them, almost as if he is preparing his team for the last game of the year, too, that, hey, who knows, man? Even it snows in Columbus in November too, guys. Okay, you know we 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 might not get to play in a track meet in that game. Are we? Can we beat them left-handed? And and I wonder, you know, there's been more complaining about Ryan Day's play calling this year than I can ever remember. He, I mean, I've heard a ton of complaining about it, and I wonder if it's not that he just got dumb, but he's actually realizing I'm gonna have I'm that team up north. I might have to beat them maybe left-handed moving forward in the future. They might more successfully drag me into a mosh pit. Are my guys ready to? Play? play that way they were not last year are they ready for that in the future so I don't think he just suddenly just forgot that he's got really good receivers Mark I I think he is also likewise trying to counter what Jimmy has established in fact I kind of take it that for the first time in a while beyond the institutional respect for the rivalry that this is actually a sign of respect for Michigan as an opponent, if you know what I'm trying to say. That, that, that I, we've got to acknowledge that maybe they have figured something out that we have to respond to. On one particular drive, uh, Ohio State, while the game was still in doubt in the red zone, ran on third and six. And yeah. that third and six run, I thought, was to set up the fourth and two. No, then they, then they just kicked the field goal. Yes. On the field goal. Okay, you get the best wide receivers in the country. You're not throwing on third and six. And then you're going to kick the field goal with a reliable field goal kicker from whatever distance mm-hmm. that didn't make any sense to me. I get the point if that's going to be the long-term strategy, but for in the moment made no sense. I do think Steve that Michigan's red zone issues aren't what Ohio state's red zone issues are. I, I think that Ohio state's issues are much deeper and they're more serious and they're more of a concern. Hmm. Michigan is getting a lead and sitting on it. Against Michigan State, they basically said red zone. Sure, if somebody breaks it, if Blake Horn breaks a 15-yard run, we'll we'll take the touchdown. But if we don't get it, that's fine. We'll just kick the field goal. We're not stretching. We're not going to challenge. We're not going to trust. You could look at it that way. J.J. McCarthy, that might be an issue. But for Ohio State, they're just not getting it done in the red zone. Aside from that example that I just gave, I think it's more Michigan just being conservative in the red zone. Ohio State having legitimate struggles in the red zone. So am I a bad fan 
that I want Greg Schiano to play us exactly like he did last year because I, I just don't believe this. The, the Michigan coaching staff is going to give our offense in-game passing reps for the sake of in-game passing reps. I, I just, I just think if you just let us just run the ball for five yards a clip for you know fifty times, we're gonna do it. Like we're not gonna. I don't think God bless him one way or the other. This is like probably for you, like watching Jim Tressel. You know, in a, a decade ago, there is no there is no game situation where I will voluntarily put the ball at risk. You will have to force me to put the ball at risk, and we're kind of playing that way now. And so I'm hoping Shiano does to us what he did a year ago uh, last year. They almost beat us. They we we had barely a hundred yards rushing in that game, uh, and and I hope he does. I thought Michigan State was going to do this. They didn't. They played two safeties high most of the game, almost as if they knew they could not win. And so they were just trying to keep the score down, basically, trying to avoid getting, you know, gashed on, on a play and Blake Horm or Donovan Edwards houses them like we did Penn State. They stayed back, let us get five, seven, eight, nine, ten yards over and over and over again, like they were just trying to cover the spread. I hope Shiano goes balls out against the run so that we have to take some in-game passing reps, especially in the red zone. Does that make me a bad fan? No, it doesn't make you a bad fan. What it does, though, however, is Michigan may have such a good offensive line, and Blake Horm and Donovan Edwards may be so good that they can still run through that defensive approach from Rutgers, which they've got a capable, competent defense. It took Minnesota a long time to finally break their backs, and Minnesota's nowhere close to Michigan. But, uh, yeah, I want to see it. I'm not a fan I'm a anti-Michigan fan. I'm on the other side of the spectrum, and I would just like to see it because I want to see J.J. McCarthy have to show off his arm. Um, but then again, for my interests, it might be better that he has to do that uh, in Columbus for the first time because obviously I would rather see him without the reps, without that experience, without being pushed against the wall and having to do it for the first time in Columbus. First, Final thing, Mark, first college football playoff rankings come out tonight. Uh, when you and I are taping this year on Tuesday afternoon, they come out later this evening. I suspect the top four teams are going to be in somewhere. I think Tennessee will be number one, actually. I think it'll be Tennessee, Georgia, and then Ohio State, and then Michigan. This is setting up for quite a November because we have Tennessee and Georgia are playing this weekend between the hedges in Athens. That looks like it's going to be a 1-2 game in the playoff. It's just a matter of who is one and who is two. And then you have Michigan and Ohio State looking increasingly likely to be undefeated. And that's no disrespect to Illinois. That'll be that they're a very good football team. I've watched them quite a bit this year. The problem I think Illinois has, though, is they basically want to play the same way we do, and we have better players. Like it's not a, they don't present a stylistic challenge to us. Um, I, I would think that would be a scarier game maybe for if I'm Ohio State, maybe I'd want to play Ohio, Illinois that week because I get basically a chance to play Michigan, a proto version of Michigan a week prior. But I mean, they're going to play us the way that we play every day in practice all year long. So it, it could be that they are very good. It's just I don't think it's a great matchup for them and it's senior day and everything else. But, you know, stranger things have happened. But it's looking increasingly likely that this is going to be two undefeated teams clashing in Columbus a la 2006, Mark. Big Ten fans out there that don't have a rooting interest in this game, but for the conference, root for a close game. That's what we've got. Mm -hmm. And then we've got three-headed monster in the SEC. And both of us want chaos aside from our teams being protected and 
ushered into the playoffs. And, and that's what we're looking at. Tennessee is in a great position with the win in its back pocket against Alabama. As long as they can play close on the road against Georgia, mm -hmm. they either lose close against what could be the number one team in the country, and they protect themselves from going to the SEC title game and losing, or they Excellent get point. another monumental win in their back pocket and yeah. go to the SEC championship game. And you and I both agree that Alabama would be like an 80% certainty of winning that rematch. But as long as Tennessee could keep it close, then maybe they backdoor in that way. ESPN's FPI gives Michigan 21% odds to win the Big Ten. 50% odds to win the college football playoff. You ever seen anything like that? I've never seen anything like that. That That is two to one better odds to make the playoff than to win the conference. I've just never seen anything like that. They think there's a huge probability that uh, Michigan goes to Columbus, loses an extremely close, impressive game, mm -hmm. and then gets the bid and 50% to win the playoff. To make the playoff, yeah. To make the playoff, yeah. yes. Okay. And there it is. We still got it. By the way, you still have an undefeated Clemson out there. You've got an undefeated TCU out there as well. So keep those uh, teams in mind, too. I, I, I still don't believe we are going to see a, an undefeated Power 5 conference champion shunned to put in a one-loss team that did not win its conference. I don't care if it's names like Michigan, Ohio State, or Tennessee, or Georgia, or Alabama, but... Who knows? Now with now with expansion coming right around the corner, they might feel YOLO, right? Let's just pick the teams we want. We don't have to worry about offending anybody. And who knows? We'll, we shall see. How about this? How about we, Michigan just settles this thing on the field and then we don't have to worry about it? I know, I know you want to see that too, right? Michigan settles this thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, good stuff, my friend. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, take care. All right, Steve. Thank you. You bet. This week's Twitter poll results, we asked you, was the assault by Michigan State players the worst post-game behavior, behavior you've ever seen? In 95 years at Michigan Stadium, 63.3% of you said yes. 36.8% of you said yes and no close second. I would like to know those of you who thought there was a close second, what that, one, what that close second was. Let's hope we never find out. Um, let's get to our feedback of the week. I like this. Uh, did you get hacked, Stevie? This is actually real, uh, a real and sane tweet that isn't overdramatic and the clickbait type. More of this, please, in response to my analysis I was just talking with Mark Rogers about, about Jimmy kind of emulating what he did at Stanford. Here's the thing, man. Um, uh, when things are going good, I'm pretty sane. I, I'm not a smack talker. I'm not, I'm a pretty, I'm, I can be a classy winner. When things are going bad, I'm a terrible loser. That's when the emotion kicks in, the anger kicks in, the frustration kicks in. And so I'm totally sane, you know, when you've won 20 of your last 22 games like me. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty flatlined, you know, I've got my, my resting heart rate's about 58. All right, I'm good. I'm good to go. When we start losing, not good, not good to go, not sane, not happy. So... The, the 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 sober the sobriety I should say of my analysis is directly related to the success on the field or the lack thereof. In other words, I'm a victim. I'm just a victim. 
That'll do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Don't forget to please like, rate, subscribe, share, follow, whichever applies, however you watch or listen. Maybe you're watching right here on YouTube or you're listening on iTunes or elsewhere. Help us to find more Michigan fans just like you. I want to give a shout out, by the way, to Isaiah Hole on the Lockdown Wolverines podcast. I heard him talking about this home field commemorative t-shirt throwback from the 1997 national championship season. I heard him talking about it, went out and bought myself one right away. So thank you for that. That's where I got mine. If you want to get yours, a little free plug for them. You can also uh, follow us on Twitter in between episodes at Michigan podcast as well. And what else? Actually, I think that's it. We'll be back again next week. Hopefully talking about nine and O Michigan. This is only the third time uh, since 1997 that Michigan has been 8-0, we go for 9-0 at Rutgers this week. We'll have all that and more right here on Michigan Podcast. Until then, I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.